This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 302. This podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the ultimate daily all-in-one health drink with 75 proven vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients. Just go to athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA and claim your special offer today. That's 20 free travel packs with your first purchase. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA. This podcast is also brought to you by BioLite, our go-to headlamp for running in the dark. Shorter days don't have to mean shorter runs if you get the BioLite Headlamp 330. It's an ultra-thin, no-bounce headlamp that's so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing it. Try it for 30 days, and if you don't love it, they'll take it back. Go to BioLightEnergy.com forward slash MTA for special offers all through the holiday season. That's BioLite, B-I-O-L-I-T-E, Energy.com slash MTA. Hello and welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast where we inspire and empower you to conquer the marathon. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, Angie recaps the Manchester City Marathon in New Hampshire, which is her third marathon in 30 days. Plus, she explains how to safely run and recover in between races that are so close together. And we hear from two runners who've come back to marathon training after taking time off to have kids. And of course, you can get more help in taking your training to the next level inside the academy. Learn about our awesome online community and more when you go to MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. So Angie, at the very last moment, I signed up for the Philadelphia Half Marathon. And by the very last moment, you mean the day registration closed? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Probably by the time a lot of folks hear this episode, it will already be over because, yeah, this next weekend, I will be running the Philly Half, just kind of a last minute thing that came together and meeting some people over there. So that's what's going on with me. Plus, I've got the Rock and Roll San Antonio Half Marathon, December 8th. If any of you listening are going to be at that race, either doing the half or doing the full, send me an email. We we're planning a meetup uh, the day before the race. You can send it to Trevor at MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Also, MTA Coach Athena. One of our fabulous coaches on the team who lives in San Antonio will also be there for uh, this race. And speaking of Athena, she just ran a 50 miler in California at the North Face Endurance Challenge. And actually, Coach Steve Walden was there and ran a 50 miler as well. Yeah, they're both so awesome. They took on that challenging course. It looked like it was really beautiful. And we just cannot say enough good about how awesome our MTA coaches are. There was actually a few MTA members there. We had a lady from the academy named Andrea who ran her first 50K there as well. So lots of, looked like a beautiful day, lots of beautiful scenery and challenging hills. Now, Angie, you've done a North Face event. Your one and only 50 miler uh, at this point was a North Face event. It's good to see the series is continuing. And yeah, they really pick challenging courses, I think, for their for their ultras. And they're really well organized and they have other distances as well. So usually they have a half marathon, marathon, 50K, 50 miler. So it's, it's great for someone who's just dipping their toes into the ultra world or also for experienced trail runners as well. We'd also like to give a shout out to Bridget. She wrote in to say, Hey, Angie and Trevor, I ran my first marathon recently at the Wine Glass Marathon in Corning, New York. My time was four hours and 30 minutes. I definitely learned a few things. First, I have to get a better nutrition plan. Second, it hurts more to walk than run toward the end. And third, I have what it takes to run a marathon and change my life. Finally, I'm not sure how Trevor was able to get up after laying down under that tree on his ultra, but I'm already looking for my next marathon. 
I will never live that down. (laughs) Congrats, Bridget, on running your first marathon there in Corning. And I'm sure it'll just get better from here. Half marathons will seem a lot easier now, for example. And then you can go into your second marathon if you choose to do it again. And you'll already have that mental toughness that you built from your first one. That's right. This note comes from Cassie. She says, hey, Angie and Trevor, my husband and I are physicians and recently completed our first marathon. We have two children and set a goal to run a marathon one year postpartum. Your podcast helped guide us on what to expect, how to fuel and how to endure. It was great hearing your upbeat attitude and that helped us through the training process. I am proud of my 350 time just one year out from delivering our second child while working and making time for our family. Thank you. Right on. That's great to hear, Cassie. Congrats on building back uh, after having a baby. In fact, we will be talking about that a little bit more uh, later on in this episode. We have a special guest who's going to talk about how she built back. Congrats on the progress that you're making and keep it up. That's right. This letter comes from Sarah. She says, hi, Angie and Trevor. I'm so happy and thrilled and excited to report that I am a marathoner. I finished my first marathon at the Kansas City Marathon in four hours, 52 minutes, crushing both my finished strong goal and my secret time goal of under five hours. Even in the rain and darkness uphill for the first mile, then the downpour around miles eight to nine, I had a smile on my face. Almost exactly a year after I said I'd never do a full, I crossed that finish line to celebrate my 30th birthday and have the knowledge that I'm capable of more than I ever thought possible. It wasn't a straight line to get here. I've always been an athlete, but I really got back into running for my mental health after a miscarriage, then postpartum after my now 15-month-old son was born. During the training cycle, I dealt with injuries in both feet. But thanks to my husband and family and this amazing podcast, I learned enough about running and about myself to feel confident and push through the challenges. I'm a marathoner now, and I know this is the start of something amazing. That perfectly captures just the huge emotional payoff, psychological payoff of running a marathon, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. There's the the highs, the lows, and everything in between, the struggles to overcome, uh, how it benefits both mental and physical health. So we're really proud of you, Sarah, and know that you'll go on to continue this great progress. And this comes from Linda in the Academy. She says, I almost never started listening to your podcast all those months ago because I knew I would never in a million years attempt a marathon. But every day on my commute, Trevor would tell me, yes, just me, haha, that I had what it takes to run a marathon and change my life. Sure enough, I signed up for the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon. I'm a new empty nester this year, and I needed a goal and a purpose. I need the structure and a plan. I also teach eighth grade, and I had my students make vision boards at the beginning of the school year. Of course, I made my own, and there in bold print was 26.2. I had to show my students and myself that when you make a goal and you're willing to work hard for it, you can do anything. Knowing things would be extra rough after mile 20, I had my 8th grade students and my coworkers create audios for me that I made into one big MP3. I waited until mile 20 to listen. They told me jokes. They cheered for me. They gave advice. It was wonderful. I was laughing and crying, and it was a great distraction. My takeaways from the experience. We are capable of anything if we're willing to work for it. Excuses do not serve us. I had a slew of them ready to go. Don't listen to them. It's okay to be at the back of the pack. Finishing is what matters. Thank you so much for all that you do. I'm a changed person because of this, and I hope my students will see that anything is possible. Well, congratulations, Linda, on finishing your first marathon, something that you never thought in a million years you would do, but look at you now. (laughs) You can blame it on Trevor. (laughs) 
Angie, I think it's really cool how she incorporated so many people in her life as inspiration and accountability to make this thing happen. I think marathoning shouldn't be like a solo endeavor, even though everyone runs their own race. It's really effective, like Linda was able to do, to tap into your, your support network. Yeah, like most things, um, running a marathon is so much more meaningful when you can do it in a community setting uh, with a support system. Of course, for a lot of people, that includes their family, friends, you know, maybe coworkers, students, um, but also, you know, the greater running community of people who can just cheer you on and know what you're going through and really help you through the, the low points and celebrate with you during the high points. Exactly. And we had another runner, a client of ours named John, who was also there at the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon. And we got this really awesome email from him. He has been working with uh, Coach Joel Pearson, who's on our team here. Coach Joel just like lives and breathes this stuff. He's also a instructor for USATF, USA Track and Field. This client, John, uh, just ran at age 51 a 31202 marathon, which was a 17-minute PR for him, a Boston qualifier. Wow, that's fantastic. He says, I coached myself for 17 years, and I thought I was pretty good. However, using a free online training plan for the marathon, I ended up with a 329 at the end of March, well shy of a 325 BQ time. I made some adjustments, and I ran a second marathon in mid-May, only to finish feeling weak, dizzy, and in pain with a time of 333. So that was when he was going it alone. Then he goes on, however, in just three months, Coach Joel helped me deliver a 17-minute PR and guaranteed me a place in the 2021 Boston Marathon with a 312.02. And talking about the training, he says, I must admit that there were times when my neighbors must have thought I was losing my faculties, like when I was skipping backward down the sidewalk, rotating my arms wildly clockwise and then counterclockwise. Or how about running all out for 70 meters and then just standing there rock still for two minutes and 45 seconds before repeating? (laughs) Those are some new drills I haven't heard of yet. He says, yes, these were some crazy drills, but Coach Joel certainly knows what he's doing. He says, with Coach Joel's help and Angie's advice from the podcast, I got my fueling strategy tuned up. And there was no hitting the wall at the Indianapolis Marathon. In fact, I passed over 300 runners in the last 12K. You changed my disappointment into elation and my frustration into mental clarity. Wonderful. That's, a, <laughs> that's awesome. And that's, of course, what you know we strive to do with any client that we work with. So huge congrats to John on all the work that he's put in to make that time a reality. Even the best coaching and the best drills and best training plan, it's not going to work unless you do the, <laughs> do the time and put in the work, right? That's so true. Well on my way, well on my way. Okay, Angie, what can you tell us about the Manchester City Marathon in New Hampshire? Well, it bills itself as the largest running event in New Hampshire, and it's a nonprofit event with funds going toward a charity called Veterans Count. And the 13th edition of this race was held on Sunday, November 10th, 2019. I was really fortunate to be able to have my sister Autumn travel with me to this race. Back in the spring, we had planned to do this one together. It was going to be her first half marathon after having her fourth child last year. And she'd also lived in New Hampshire previously for a couple of years. So I thought this will be a great way, you know, she can get her running base back and we can have a fun sister weekend together. So I have to say that traveling the eight-hour drive with her made it pass so much more quickly. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm glad you guys got to go together. It was awesome. So we left early in the morning, drove down there, and the expo and bib pickup was located at the Millennium Running Store in Bedford, New Hampshire, which is really close to Manchester. That was the day before the race. And they also offered race day pickup on the morning of the race at the race headquarters in Veterans Park, which was a really nice option because a lot of the runners lived locally, and so they didn't have to make an extra trip you know, to get their stuff. So we also did an MTA meetup at a place called the Backyard Brewery on Saturday evening, and it was really fun to meet up with Allie, who lived about an hour away, as well as a lady named Jane and her running team. And this running team, they live in Massachusetts, and they train and travel the races together, which is really cool. And actually, Jane is the mother of Noelle, who was one of my first coaching clients way back in the day. And Noelle has gone on to become really a trail running rock star. She's completed three 50 milers, two 12 hour races, and she recently ran her first 24 hour race where she did over 94 miles and was the first place female finisher. Now so, she's killing it. Yeah, she is. So it was really fun to hear that update from obviously her very proud mother. So congratulations, Noelle. Did you help Noelle when she was just starting out or what? She was just coming back from injury and was building back to the half marathon distance, I believe back in 2011. So I got to help her out with that. And it was really fun to be able to see her be able to run long distance again, injury free and, you know, continue on with her running goals. Yeah, that's awesome just to hear, because I don't know if we've heard about her for a while, and then just to get this report, and she's just like going crazy, running all these amazing races, and is really taking it up several notches, right? Oh, several, yes. (laughs) Makes my coaching heart very proud. (laughs) That's great. And I also got a message the night before the race from a listener named Kathleen on Instagram, and she said that her son had eaten one of the UCAN bars that she needed the next day to run her first full marathon. And she was wondering if I had an extra one that she could get from me. (laughs) Interesting request. (laughs) We always say don't do anything new on race day. And if you don't have your fuel, then it's not a good feeling to go into your first marathon with your plan being foiled. Um, And I had brought a couple extra bars uh, for my sister, and I was happy to give her one. So we arranged to meet up the next morning. And so it was fun to be able to meet Kathleen and her sister and get a quick picture. Coach Angie, dispenser of marathon advice and you can snack bars. Occasionally. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like you had a good time meeting up with some ladies and, of course, going with your sister. Let's talk about race morning. I'm assuming you guys didn't party too hard the night before. (laughs) I think we both were asleep by 9 (laughs) p.m. (laughs) Sounds like you guys. So we uh, stayed in a hotel. It was right downtown. It was actually just like a minute walk to the start line and the finish area, which was very, very handy because it was chilly that morning. I think it was maybe in the low 30s. I mean, the weather was clear, but there was kind of a little bit of a breeze that made it a little colder. And so it was nice to be able to wait in the warm hotel lobby until just a few minutes before the race. That's how I love to do it right there. And then we went over to the starting area, which was in front of the Southern New Hampshire University Arena, just downtown Manchester. It was a type of weather that I was going back and forth about what type of clothing to wear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, you don't want to be too hot the whole time, but then you don't want to underdress because I've done that before. But I finally decided to wear shorts and compression socks and my short sleeve race shirt with arm sleeves that you can, you know, adjust up or down and then some light knit gloves and of course my lucky hat and my, my trusty marathon shoes. And I was also wearing a long sleeve throwaway shirt for a little extra warmth, which I got rid of about mile two. So that ended up working well. 
I always find that shorts and compression socks keep me pretty warm. It's almost like having pants on. <laughs> there was a bit of a gap, but my legs usually don't get super cold. But I figured, you know, in this kind of weather, it was supposed to warm up to the low 40s. And I thought, it's not going to rain, so we're going to go the shorts route. <laughs> Dress as if it's going to be 20 degrees warmer than it is, right? That's right. And layers are always good. Things that you can adjust up and down is really wise too. I ended up taking my gloves off at some point. And you takes the gloves off. Took them off, kind of just held them in my hand. And then there was times where I would just kind of like tuck them over one hand and then switch them back and forth if my fingers started feeling cold. So it worked good. All right. So what was the course like? Hilly? <laughs> well, I'd heard conflicting reports of how hilly the race was, but I was unable to find a course profile online. But anyway, the marathon and the half marathon had the identical course for the first 13 miles. And then at mile 13, the race returned to downtown Manchester, where the half marathoners finished. And us marathoners had to run right by the finish line to start the second half of the course. <laughs> now, I'm not necessarily a fan of having to go so close to the finish line when you're only halfway done. All the half marathoners are celebrating. See you later, suckers. <laughs> exactly. We're out of here. <laughs> anyway, my watch ended up showing a total of 1,273 feet of elevation gain for the whole marathon. But I would say that at least 800 to 900 feet of that was in the first half of the race. Okay. Because it, it was pretty hilly. Most of the course was around the city of Manchester. We went through the historic Milliard District and into the suburbs some. There are also several sections of the course that runs along and over the Merrimack River. So it was pretty. I mean, most of the leaves were gone, but it was, you know, it was still scenic and nice. Um, and fortunately, the course did start to flatten out around mile 16. And at about 16 and a half, we started an out and back section that went to mile 20.5. It was on the Piscataquag trail. So this was like a dirt gravel surface and there were some roots and rocks and mud puddles that were kind of iced over that we kind of had to navigate around. And then about mile 22, the run crosses a new trestle bridge. It continues back to the city. We cross over the Merrimack River again, and then you run the final miles into downtown Manchester. But the final mile goes right by the finish line area again. And it takes us like out on the main street, out to cross a bridge. Then you have to come back up the bridge and return to Elm Street, which is the main street to the finish. So, I mean, I knew this was going to happen, but... Were you thinking, man, I just want to get done? Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm tired. I want to be done. I think by that point, I think around mile 18, my lower body had just kind of told me it was done. No more hills. I feel tired. My hamstrings, my glutes were, were feeling pretty sore. I was trying to keep my mental space positive. Um, and so I was taking kind of stock of my body and like, oh, that hurts, that hurts. But I'm thinking, what doesn't hurt? So I thought, my feet feel really good. So that's awesome when your feet feel good. And I was like, oh, my calves feel fine. My upper body feels good, you know, so like if you can think of the positive things and not focus on on what's hurting, that helps. And I also knew, you know, at that point when your legs and your lower body are so tired, you think, oh, I just want to walk. But I knew from previous marathons that it hurts just as much to walk mm -hmm. at that point as it does to keep running. But it just takes you longer to finish. So I was like, okay, shut up lower body. We're just going to do this thing. Kept running and it worked out fine. And I was just really trying to listen to my body. I wasn't pushing for a specific pace. But yeah, the final mile was pretty challenging because we were teased with that finish again. And then we had to run over this final overpass, which felt enormous at that point. <laughs> so that was that was interesting. I was thinking, I wonder if the race organizers have actually run this marathon <laughs> 
But as far as the race goes, it was really well supported. They had official race aid stations about every two miles. And of course, all the volunteers were very friendly and encouraging. And they had water and sports drink. And a few others had some other fueling options. But there was also a surprising amount of unofficial aid stations. Like there was a boy who had a lemonade stand out there. There was a mimosa stop, there was a beer stop, and there were people handing out candy along the route. I pretty much stuck to my fueling strategy of using new can bars, and I just washed that down with water from aid stations. Third marathon in 30 days that you've used Generation You Can, right? That's right. Actually, you probably used it for every race this year. <laughs> yeah, pretty much every race since 2013. So. <laughs> it's been a few. And by the way, you guys should go listen to the live event bonus podcast episode. If you haven't done that yet, it's just a couple episodes back in your feed where Angie was on a panel uh, with some other fabulous podcasters there at the New York City Marathon talking about their marathon stories. We do appreciate you can making just a high quality product. We've used it at so many races. It gives you this prolonged source of energy because it's a slow release carbohydrate. Super starch comes in a powder form. You can mix and carry in a handheld water bottle if you want. It also comes in a bar form, like an energy bar. We like the peanut butter chocolate. If you want to give UCAN a try, you can save 15% on your order by using the code MTA Manchester at checkout. Just go to generationucan.com forward slash MTA. Use the code MTA Manchester since this is the Manchester Marathon recap. And you can save 15%. If you're a new customer, first time purchase, use the code MTA25 to save 25%. So Angie, it sounds like your legs were definitely feeling the effect of doing three marathons in 30 days, plus just all the travel and the hectic stuff we've been doing this fall. And you're out there on the course, you keep seeing the finish line go by because you have to run by it continually. And Well, twice, not continually. <laughs> it felt on. like continually. <laughs> we should embellish it a little more, right? <laughs> we want to keep the facts accurate here. <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. You're, it sounds like you're kind of eager to get done, but you're out there fighting the mental battle. Even though you've done 62 marathons now, there is still a mental battle to be fought. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that, that's so true. I think no matter how many marathons that you do, you still have to dig deep um, you, and you still learn things about yourself and you are still testing yourself against whatever challenge that you're facing that particular day or the elements. Yeah, so there's so much that you just can't necessarily like rest back on your previous accomplishments that you have to just be out there proving to yourself that you have what it takes every single time. When we finally got to the finish line area, the real finish, it was a great finish line. They had spectators out there. They had an announcer calling each runner's name who crossed the finish line. I think maybe it was especially appreciated by all the marathoners because we'd been teased by it <laughs> before. <laughs> and the total number of marathon finishers were 360. They had 562 finish the half marathon. And there were quite a few relay teams as well. Um, and about 270 finishers for the 5K. In fact, they had relay stations along the marathon course. So every time someone would pass me, I'm like, oh, they must be a relay person. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they look like they have a lot of energy. <laughs> Whatever it takes to make yourself feel better, right? <laughs> Exactly. They couldn't be passing me because I was slowing down, right? <laughs> I think they should have had a false finish line. So you run across it and everyone's cheering and, he, and, and the guy's like, just kidding. It's half a mile that way. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cruel. 
But anyway, I was able to finish my 60-second marathon in three hours, 43 minutes, and one second. Then was surprised that I got second in my age group. So yeah, I was I was thankful for that. I got a mug and a reusable drawstring bag for the age group placing. And my sister Autumn was at the finish line to meet me and take some pictures. It was really great to see her and to find out that she had a good half marathon. Beautiful medals too. Yeah, the medal is amazing. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the biggest ones I've ever gotten. It's got like stained glass elements kind of behind like the buildings in Manchester, downtown Manchester. So you finished in a solid time. I mean, it's 3.43.01. Of course, it's not as fast as your PR, but it's well under four hours, but very solid for running a marathon on tired legs. And of course, getting second in your age group. Yeah, I was I was just so happy <laughs> to finish. And yeah, I was really happy with that time. I mean, I was I was thinking I'd be around four hours maybe. But... Yeah. So did you guys go celebrate with a nice non-Met Pro friendly meal? <laughs> You guessed it. Yes. We actually decided we would walk. I told Autumn, I'm like, the more you walk after a race, the better you recover. So we walked downtown, couldn't find the place. We ended up like walking, like walking, walking, trying to find this restaurant we were going to. (laughs) So we got in probably a couple extra miles by the time all was said and done. But yeah, I got a great post-race meal. Then got some snacks, took it back to the hotel room, turned on HGTV and ate snacks in bed. (laughs) Love it. It was great. That's a good way to treat yourself after a marathon. Oh, yeah. I totally believe in that. And I've heard you say that it feels like you were in the best shape of your life. You got your nutrition dialed in. You've been working with a MetPro coach. You guys have heard us talk about MetPro.co. That's a company that helps you dial in your metabolic rate. In fact, the name MetPro stands for metabolic profiling. So now, Angie, you've not only lost a ton of weight, you've been able to successfully run all these races faster than you ever thought you would. Yeah, I was actually just thinking that a year ago today, I was in a totally different place physically. I mean, I was 32 pounds heavier. My joints were complaining. I didn't have very good energy. I felt frustrated with where I was physically. Um, You know, my head, you know, my head told me that I was a lean marathoner, but my body told me a different story. And hardest effort marathon time at that point was 420. Um, So, you know, I was, I was grateful to still be running and, you know, for what my body was capable of, but I knew that I could be in so much better shape. And so, yeah, it was just such a blessing when MetPro came along and being able to work with our nutrition coach, Natalie. And of course, you know, for marathoners, um, feeling strong during races and being able to improve our time is super important. If you want to check out what MetPro can do for you and how it works, just go to metpro.co forward slash MTA. You can get a uh, free 30-minute consultation call with one of their coaches, and they'll go over how the program works. It is a high-touch concierge service. We know it's not for everybody, but folks that we've talked to um, who listen to the podcast, who've started working with the MetPro coach, they have nothing but just great things to say. Yeah, actually, one of the the listeners that I met at the meetup in Manchester, Allie, did the free 30-minute consultation, and she said, that it was so helpful that she was able to implement a lot of the information and lose 15 pounds on her own. And so then she said she's been saving up money and as a Christmas gift to herself, she's going to start working one-on-one with a MetPro coach starting in January. Really cool. All right, so that's metpro.co forward slash MTA. Well, now we wanted to speak with Angie's sister, Autumn, because this has been a journey for her to get to half marathon level again. She's done some marathons in the past, but had to take some time off to have kids, dealt with some health issues, and 
I know there's a lot of people in our audience who've had a similar experience, or maybe you're going through something like that now where you're trying to get back into it and not where you want to be, but you're starting to take action to get there. So we're going to bring Autumn on for a short segment and sort of debrief her on her uh, half marathon comeback race. All right, joining us now, back on the MTA podcast for maybe the third time, it's Angie's sister, Autumn, who has her own theme song. Autumn Haley, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I didn't even realize that was my theme song. <laughs> Autumn is the genius runner who invented the tagline for this year's MTA Virtual Half. We put it on the medals that we're about to send out soon to all the runners. I eat hills like candy. Back in 2011, I think I came up with that one. During your first marathon. Yes. And she's a graphic designer and designed the MTA logo. So thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> like I forgot it. <laughs> you forgot you did the logo. I'm like wearing the hat. <laughs> I am a graphic designer. She has so many talents, she forgets about half of them. <laughs> so Autumn... Tell us a bit about your background in running, uh, maybe what led up to you doing your first marathon. Sure. Well, back when I was doing sports in high school, I remember running being more of a punishment. But then when I was around 16, Angie, I remember you started running around the high school track, and I kind of started doing it as well. And I remember I got up to eight miles around the high school track, and it was kind of something clicked after that. I think maybe I got my first runner's high. Um, fast forward to after you guys started the podcast, and then I kind of got started getting inspired by the first couple episodes and kind of had that shift in belief of like, I think I actually could run a marathon, because up to that point, it just seemed like something that only really really extraordinary athletes and amazing people did. And I didn't really put myself in that category. I had some different health struggles with inflammatory arthritis in my knees and things over the years. So starting the training for the first marathon, though, was really life-changing. And Angie definitely helped me along the way. She was kind of my personal support system. We talk on the phone about it a lot. But that was back when I was uh, single. So a lot has changed in the eight intervening years up until my most recent race. So I've done five marathons total. And this was recent one was my fourth half marathon. Your first marathon was in Little Rock, Arkansas. It was also my first half marathon. And you did great. I think you finished in like 404. Yeah, I think it was 4.05. And I think I, you know, I could have probably pushed more. But with your first one, you don't exactly know how to pace yourself. But I had a great time. It was so much fun. So that kind of started my journey. Then there's been some big intervals where I've had to take a hiatuses for having children. So I now have four children. So coming back after each pregnancy, it's always a different journey. Yeah, so you had your, your fourth child in 2018. So what have some of the challenges been as you've tried to get back into shape this time around? I think some of the challenges were mindset and just making it a priority and finding the time. Because with each kid, I feel like I have less and less time. And then my body felt more and more out of shape. 
and carrying around an extra 30 pounds. So, you know, I was thinking about it and my motivations when I first started running are different from my motivations now. And so it was kind of getting my mindset in the right place this time was different than maybe when I, my goals when I first ran a marathon were kind of to check that box of, I did it, I ran a marathon. And this time around, I have a different relationship with running, having seen how it's helped me in different areas of life. And so the mindset shift was now it's more like I need to run so that I don't yell at my kids or, (laughs) um, you know, put a race on the calendar. So I have something to look forward to and realize that running isn't just another goal in my life. It's actually a priority that helps me accomplish the other things on my goal list. And I guess for me, I shouldn't view it as like an optional thing. It's like, I have to fit this in so I can function better as a mom and as a wife and as all my other um, roles. So there was like about four years that went by when you're having kids that you didn't do any races or much running. Yes. I got in shape after my second daughter and got back into racing. But after my third child, I was dealing with some pretty significant health problems and having to be on a really strict health regimen, like environmental toxin issues. And I think that's one of the things about running that I've been realizing lately too, because I've been kind of into health, alternative health and different things my whole life and have tried a ton of different health modalities. And you're always looking for that thing that really gives you the most bang for your buck. And I think running is one of those things. So I know a lot of people in our audience right now are relating to what you're saying because they faced significant challenges maybe with their health, injuries perhaps, women who are in the midst of pregnancies or have young kids are coming back and trying to rebuild their running base. And, you know, maybe they have that past identity being a runner, but sometimes it's kind of hard to translate that into their present and and how to get back to where they want to be. So kind of talk to the person who feels like, you know, they have these goals of being a runner again, but they feel like they have so many barriers in their way right now. Yeah, I think part of it is maybe knowing yourself better because what works for Angie to motivate her and get her out there every day may not be the same thing that works for me. Angie's an upholder, which we've talked about the four tendencies before, and I'm more of a obliger slash questioner. And so getting the race on the calendar was really important. When Angie suggested we should run the race in New Hampshire together, I was excited about that because that's something that an obliger wants to do like, oh, weekend away with my sister. So I would say one key would be getting a race on the calendar and maybe with a friend and focusing on being grateful um, for myself, which was not always easy, but just thinking I'm thankful that my body's strong enough to get out for a run. And I'm thankful that I was able to do three miles today. It isn't easy when you have this picture in your head of who you were in the past and you expect yourself to still be up to that level. And it can be frustrating Mm. when you're not. But yeah, I think mindset is the biggest thing for me is just focusing on gratitude and making it like the biggest, almost like in the beginning, you have to make it the biggest priority of your day, um, saying this will happen no matter what. Um, because I tend to kind of get too many things on my plate or try to reach too many goals at once. Yeah. You spread yourself too thin, which is easy to do when you have four kids <laughs> yes. and a busy life. <laughs> 
Right. And two, it can feel like, oh, I'm taking time away from my kids and away from my family to run. But shifting that mindset to say, no, I'm investing in myself and investing in them because I really am going to be a better mother to set this example for my kids. And also one of my values is to enjoy my kids. So just recognizing those things that motivate you, that connect to your core values and keep you going. And then keeping a vision kind of of who you are working towards being while at the same time being grateful for who you are today, which can be kind of a balancing act, I think, because you don't want to be discontent thinking of that future person that you want to be. So how did your half marathon go? Even though I wasn't as adequately trained as I wanted to be, I think that the experiences of running marathons in the past and the half marathons helped me to cross the finish line. Probably one of the toughest points was at mile three. I felt like my lungs were just going to explode. But I knew from other experiences that, you know, if it had been my first one, I might have thought, oh, if I'm feeling this way at mile three... I'm done. I should just quit now because this is really hard. I can't do this for that many more miles. But then it ebbs and flows. Like Mm -hmm. the pain can come and go and your body responds differently to each mile and each thing that happens. So it's basically just keeping going. And the mantra that came to me this time was, my body is a machine switched to on. And just kind of like, I will keep going. And there is not really any question of whether I was going to finish or not. I was going to finish. I sometimes like to do these mental uh, exercises, like reframing things as far as I'd say, like, if someone said to me, we're holding your child ransom and you have to run 13.1 miles or 26.2 miles before we'll give your child back to you, you'd be like, yeah, I'm doing it right now. Nothing will stop me. Nothing will stop you. You know you can do it. So then mentally you realize, oh, my body actually can do this. If I have mm. enough motivation, you know, it might be really painful. It might not be a good idea if you're not adequately trained for it. But just knowing that and from the past ones that I'd done, even though I knew I wasn't adequately trained, maybe to the point I wanted to be, I knew I could do it and kept the positive thoughts going and just tried to enjoy it. Um, Even though there were some hills, I think I walked up maybe three hills. It was a really hilly race, wasn't it? Yeah, I have to break in here. The first half of this race was very hilly. I think from like mile three to five, it was pretty much just like uphill. <laughs> so it was normal, you know, to feel like your lungs were going to explode. I I was thinking about you thinking, oh man, this is pretty challenging. Not that we haven't run hills, but you know, it's a challenging race for your your first kind of comeback race. Um, so I was just so, so proud of you. And I saw you went after I finished and you finished in 219, which was amazing. So yeah, I, I think you rocked it. <laughs> and when you say you didn't train like you wanted to, what was your longest long run? Eight miles. That's not advisable. No, that's <laughs> Which, why this is what not to do with automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. And I was kind of nervous for you too because you had mentioned that your training hadn't gone, you know, a hundred percent. You were kind of following the Trevor training style throughout fifty percent of the plan. By the way, folks, we recommend the anti training style. <laughs> Check all the boxes off, one hundred percent. Yes. Lots of gold stars on the star chart. But it's interesting to hear that you know you knew how to listen to your body so nothing broke down you finished injury free and you had that mental toughness those reserves from doing five marathons back in the day that you know how to push wisely 
And you do have a race on the calendar, not a big race, but we're both doing the local turkey trot on Thanksgiving morning. (laughs) I signed up for it and I was like, hey, Autumn, you should sign up for it too, peer pressure. (laughs) And then Autumn, you also signed our other sister up. Yes, I did. (laughs) Who doesn't really, I mean, she runs occasionally, run walks. Mm -hmm. Um, She's never done a race before. This is going to be her first race. So we're all going to do it. So you guys just signed Amy up without telling her? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We told her yesterday. We're like, uh, by the way, for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, bring your running shoes and a sports bra. All right. So here's what you do, folks. Just sign your relatives up for a 5K on Thanksgiving Day. And if they try to back out, just say, oh, okay. I thought your health and well-being was important to you. (laughs) You don't get any turkey until you finish this race. Sign up up the guy like the uncle who never, never exercises. (laughs) No, we don't want massive heart attacks on Thanksgiving Day. Unless you do this, you cannot eat today. Turkey is for winners. Who cares about turkey? What about the pie? Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Oh, this is the 5K pie. Sorry. (laughs) Show me your 5K medal. (laughs) Well, congrats, Autumn, on a solid comeback half marathon and keeping it real. And Angie, I remember when you'd already done a couple marathons and then our youngest son was born and you pretty much had to rebuild your base, starting with being able to run one mile. Yeah, I couldn't run during the majority of the pregnancy because I had round ligament pain. It was just too painful. So yeah, it was it was rough coming back for sure. And actually, your first marathon, Autumn, was my comeback after baby marathon. That's right. So there was a lot of firsts on many levels. Yes. Trevor's first half, your first marathon, my first comeback from baby marathon. So Well, I'm grateful to be on. I'm grateful to be part of the community of runners. Awesome. Okay, now it's time for the Autumn Haley bonus question. Make sure you listen carefully, folks, because this next bit here is pure gold. So Autumn, when you started running back as a teenager, what exactly did Angie tell you or how does she inspire you? Sure. Well, back when I was doing sports in high school... Coming back after each pregnancy, you know, I could have probably pushed more, but that was back when I was uh, single. So a lot has changed. Fast forward to after you guys started the podcast and Angie definitely helped me yell at my kids. And as I've come back to yell at my kids, I felt like my lungs were just going to explode, but I kept positive uh, mental thoughts going and Angie definitely helped me. She was kind of my personal punishment. And the mantra that came to me this time was, we're holding your child ransom, just try to enjoy it. So that kind of started my journey of toxin issues, but I had a great time. It was so much fun. Well, we apologize for Autumn's rambling and incoherent sentences. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, though, big thanks to Autumn for being back on the MTA podcast. Always great to have her on the show, I think. No, wait, no, seriously. Well, in just a moment, Angie's going to explain how you can safely and effectively run marathons that are close together and to recover in between so that you can safely get across the finish line without injury. Before we do that, we'd like to thank this episode's sponsor, Athletic Greens. 
Yes, you know that I'm a person of routines, and one of my morning routines is taking Athletic Greens. Um, I love it because it just gives me a burst of energy to start the day. It's great for digestion. It's great for covering your nutritional bases. Um, it gives you over 75 proven vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. So it's a great way to get that comprehensive nutrition. And I love the travel packs to take with me when I'm traveling because sometimes it's hard to get in a good number of salads <laughs> when you travel. It's true. I really feel like it helps support your body's nutritional needs, including things like health, energy, immunity, gut health, hormonal and neural support, and of course, healthy aging. So you just mix the powder in water and it actually has a pretty good taste for a green drink. Yeah, we've tried a lot of green drinks. <laughs> Some of them you have to kind of plug your nose and gulp, but this yeah. one is great. You just take one scoop every day or one packet every day, and it covers all the bases nutritionally. So to give it a try, go to athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA. And with your order, you can get 20 free travel packs. These are normally sold at 79 bucks, but you get it thrown in with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash MTA. And we'd also like to thank Bombas Socks for sponsoring this episode. Bombas are soft and built with extra cushioning. So whether you're walking the dog, chilling at home, or running a marathon, you can be comfortable. They provide support in places you didn't even know you needed it, like the arches of your feet. And each sock is built with a special arch support system that feels like your foot is receiving a nice hug. <laughs> That's right. So if you're still wearing the same old uncomfortable socks, it is time to upgrade to Bombas. They get heavy, heavy rotation in my sock drawer. In fact, if I don't have any more, then I have to go to the laundry room to dig some out. <laughs> and they make socks for all types of your needs. I mean, they have dress socks, performance socks. Um, so as you go into the holiday season, this may be the best gift for everyone that you love. They make great stocking stuffers. That way you can put a sock within a sock. <laughs> Mind blown. And every pair you buy at Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. Go to bombas.com forward slash MTA to get 20% off any purchase during the big holiday sale. That's November 18th through December 5th. So hurry over to bombas.com forward slash MTA for 20% off. So Angie, runners are ambitious people and we have got a lot of emails uh, in the past and continue to get a lot of emails from people who want to know how to safely run back-to-back -back races or races in close proximity without getting injured. So this is a topic that we love to address because this is something that you've done pretty well. So let's break into it. Yeah. So this time around, I really didn't set out to run three marathons in 30 days. <laughs> it was one of those things that I'd signed up for the Manchester Marathon for New Hampshire. And then, of course, I was signed up for Hawaii in January. As my fitness increased, I was looking for kind of a flatter, faster possibly PR race. And so I signed up for the Hartford Marathon in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And then you said, wait, you can't leave Vermont for last. No disrespect to Vermont. We, I just felt like Hawaii should be the grand finale. <laughs> so anyway, I, I stuck Vermont in there too um, at the last minute, which gave me three marathons in 30 days and a lot of travel in between. I'm not a stranger to doing fairly close marathons. Um, my closest stretch of marathons was a few years ago back in 2014 when I did three in 28 days. Of course, I was a bit younger then as well. well you also did back-to-back -back days, Saturday-Sunday marathons in New Mexico. I have, yeah. And in 2015, I did a year-long running streak and ran seven marathons, a 50K, a 40-miler, and a 50-miler. 
So that was a pretty big year for me as well. However, I wasn't always as diligent about recovery between races, which wasn't a positive thing for my body. So I've definitely learned a few things since then about how to properly recover for better success. Um, so I feel like I have experience in doing close races, but hopefully I've increased in wisdom since then so that I can you know, be strong and healthy, which is my overall goal. I think it's possible to run races super close together, but it can also lead to problems for some people. So there are about three questions I think it's important to ask yourself before you think about doing long distance races close together, just to determine how wise it's going to be. All right. Sounds good. Let's hear it. Question number one. Question number one, are you a new runner? So if you started running less than a year ago, doing multiple long distance races can significantly increase your risk of injury. We admire your ambition if you're a new runner and you want to go run a marathon every month, but not a good long-term strategy. Yeah, it, it doesn't work out well for most people. <laughs> there are a few exceptions to that rule. I would say there's probably about 10% of runners who seem to be bulletproof, who can just run a crazy amount of races, perform well, feel amazing. But yeah. most of us are not like that. I just got to hear um, Gene Dykes speak at a college here in our town. Gene is 71, I think now, and he runs sub three hour marathons. But this guy, not only is, is he incredibly fast, but he's so prolific. He's run ultras, 100 milers. He's run 200 mile races. And he might be one of those 10% guys, like you're saying, Angie, because in his talk, he says, I don't strength train. I don't cross train. I just run. I just like to run. <laughs> doesn't follow any special diet and the more he runs the better he feels and he says he trains six days a week yeah that's that's always kind of sometimes disillusioning to hear when you're an injury prone runner um it's very exciting for them and i you know i can think of a few other examples of people like that but you know sometimes it doesn't work out long term and even people like dean carnazis who in their younger years were able to just do an incredible amount of races and run fast and strong have noticed, you know, as they got up into, you know, maybe another decade of life that they have to be more intentional about things like recovery and nutrition. Um, so, you know, what worked for you at one point in your life may not always work for you, you know, as you get older. So Gene might slow down when he gets to be 101. <laughs> so question number two. Are you currently injured or just coming back from an injury? Many issues with injury can be prolonged or exacerbated without adequate rest time. So... Not a wise idea if you're just coming off an injury or you're currently dealing with an injury to try to do a lot of races. And question number three. Are you cutting corners when it comes to things like sleep, nutrition, stress reduction, and cross-training? If you're not supporting your body well, then doing multiple races will probably just increase your overall stress and also hinder recovery. So if you can answer no to all those questions, then it's probably fine that you run multiple races close together. But there are some things that you want to keep in mind to stay healthy and to be successful in your race goals. Okay, so if you were able to answer no to all those questions, you're not a new runner, you're not currently injured, you're not cutting corners. Here is how to effectively do this. And he's going to go over three points. That's right. The first one is don't race every marathon or we can say half marathon, or 5K, you know, whatever distance that you're doing. Most people can't give 100% effort successfully with multiple races close together. So it's good to have various goals besides fast times. Maybe it's running with friends. Maybe it's not overly focusing on pace and just running by feel or effort. 
Um, and maybe it's just having fun along the way, you know, things like having goals to run in different states or maybe different countries. You know, there's a number of reasons that people do races um, other than just trying to get fast times. So kind of focus on things other than pace if you're trying to do a lot of races close together. When I did this recent stretch of close marathons, my A race, so the one I was really dialing in was my first marathon in Hartford where I got a new PR. But my goal for these other marathons was simply to feel strong, to listen to my body, and go the distance. Number two is to incorporate a reverse taper between races. Most of us are familiar with tapering before a marathon. This is where you gradually reduce the amount and intensity of your training leading up to race day so that your body is feeling well-rested and you're ready to give a great effort. A reverse taper means that you take it easy post-race and you gradually build back the amount and intensity of training according to what your body can handle. So this is going to be different for everyone because people are at different levels depending on the races they do and the intensity of the race. So if you're doing a marathon or a half marathon every two to three weeks, this may mean that you're not doing long runs in between races, maybe other than some short runs. Good ways to recover post-marathon include lots of walking, things like stretching, gentle yoga, foam rolling, cycling, swimming, and other low-impact, non-intense activities. I also find that runners recover more quickly if they keep their effort level easy or in zone two for the first couple of weeks post-marathon. So it's important to have active recovery, but you don't want to be stressing your body out before it has fully recovered from the previous race effort. And the third thing is to have a plan for recovery that you start post-race. So this is going to include things like getting extra rest, gentle active recovery, like I talked about earlier, things like foam rolling, stretching, yoga, massage, maybe cold therapy, Epsom salt baths, wearing compression gear, eating foods that decrease inflammation, consuming plenty of protein to help your muscles recover, and limiting things like sugar, fried foods, and alcohol. So if you prolong your celebrating, especially when it comes to food and drink, too long post-race, it's going to hinder how you recover and, of course, long-term strength and health of your body. So I'm all for balance and enjoying great meals and snacks for a couple of days after the race. But then it really is important to rein it in within a reasonable framework if you want to give your body the best possible support. So what does that look like for you? So usually the day of the race, I eat whatever I want. <laughs> um, this last marathon, I went out and I had burger and fries afterwards because it just sounded good. I had a celebratory alcoholic drink, um, and I don't really drink alcohol very frequently because my body doesn't really respond that well to it. And then I got a tub of Ben and Jerry's, Ooh. and I may have eaten it all in one sitting. <laughs> you know, those they come in a pint, right? Right. It's almost too much to eat in one sitting, but it's not quite enough that you want to like put it away and eat on it for two days. So you kind of like got to go all in and just eat it all. <laughs> it's far too easy for me to go all in, so which is why I limit that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day, I pretty much mostly got back on my meal plan. I mean, I had a, f a few other you know little snack items that I, I might not normally have. But by day three after the marathon, I was, you know, just back to eating the way I usually eat with, with MetPro and feeling pretty good. So that's what it looks like for me. But it's like if you celebrate too much surrounding the race period, you're not going to feel very good and you're not going to perform very well, you know, when your next race comes along. So you really have to be mindful of that. See, the way my life is, it's just one continual post-race party 
with other races thrown in as part of the party. Your life is just one big party, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel really privileged to have had such a strong fall race season, be able to run three marathons so close together. I did realize that I did a lot of close marathons back in my 30s. This may not be the greatest strategy for me now that I'm in my 40s. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily eager to do so many marathons close together because I like to really savor the training experience and the race experience a little bit more, but I was really happy at how my body held up. And I'm going to be taking about three weeks off from training um, before I start to ramp up again before my 50th state in January and hopefully come back for another strong marathon then. So right now we're in the you taking three weeks off phase. That's right. And you're down here like doing squats with weights this morning, like hitting it hard, sweating to the oldies. <laughs> well, I mean, I really feel like for me in you know little off seasons I do like to really strength train because sometimes when you're tapering for a marathon you obviously don't want to be doing any tough strength training right before the race and then for maybe the week after the race you know you want to let your body recover and let any residual soreness go away now that my energy levels are feeling back to normal and my muscles are all feeling good I'm definitely in these three weeks going to be doing plenty of strength training. So there you go, folks. It is possible to do back-to-back -back races or races in close proximity. If you play it smart, make sure you don't try to race every time. You know, just go out and run easy. Maybe only have one goal race. Then you can incorporate a reverse taper in between, like Angie was talking about. It's not like you have to do a bunch of long runs in between these races. Once you get into marathon shape, it's fairly simple to maintain. It's a lot easier than just building up to marathon shape from zero. And of course, have an intentional recovery plan that starts post-race. You know, have some fun, celebrate, but get back to business, the business of recovery afterwards. You can make it happen. And we always love connecting with runners out there who are making it happen. People in our audience, people that we meet at races. And between now and February of next year, when the podcast will officially be 10 years old, we've been rounding up listeners who've been with us for the whole time just to hear their story and what keeps them going. So I got a quick soundbite here for you with longtime listener Nicole Johnson. And this fits well with the theme of getting back into long distance running. All right. I am speaking now with Nicole Johnson who is in Minnesota. Nicole, how you doing? Good. So you started listening to the podcast way back in the day, 2010. Back then, it seems like a lot of people didn't even know what podcasts were. Yeah, I stumbled across it um, when I was, I was training for my second or third marathon. My first marathon was in 2009. And I was doing a lot of um, cross-country traveling between Colorado and Minnesota. So I was looking for things to listen to, and I came across your podcast. And do you remember what attracted you to the podcast originally? I was looking for anything running and marathon related, um, just uh -huh. to listen to and kind of get me excited about upcoming races. So what do you do there in Minnesota? I am a wrangler of a one and a three-year-old, almost two and four-year-old. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Um, nice. But my formal training is in counseling and wilderness therapy. Okay. Um, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm just hanging out right now. <laughs> Love it. Kids, are they're so high energy at that age. When do you find yourself listening to podcasts? I think I listen the most when we have long car rides um, and I just need to pass the time. And how many marathons and or half marathons have you done? So I've done eight half marathons, four 
full marathons, not including one with a DNF, and I've done 150K. And you took some time off to have kids in between now and when you first started listening and running marathons, I guess, right? Yep. I had a little bit of a four-year hiatus. My my little, the oldest is going to be four in November. And so I ran, I was actually Angie's coaching client at the time. And so I ran one half marathon when I first found out I was expecting. And then things just kind of just got too hard being pregnant. I know some people run through pregnancies. I, I could not. And then I ran a little bit between pregnancies. I was up to maybe four or five miles at a time, but then I just kept experiencing a lot of injuries. So it really took a lot of time to kind of figure out what was going on with my body. And during that time, I actually did get diagnosed with a connective tissue disorder. Hmm. And since then, like I've done a lot of physical therapy and it's really helped to get me back and running. And it's amazing to be back. It does so much for me emotionally and like mental health wise. I just, I love it. And I'm so happy to be running distances again. Yeah. It's great to see you back in action. Did it feel like, you know, when you were going through those issues that you were never going to get back to long distance running? Absolutely. Cause I'd turn like the wrong way and I'd like pop a rib out or my hips would be out of place. And that was just from like turning around, picking up a kid, getting out of a car. So it was really frightening to think like, oh my gosh, is this going to be like kind of the rest of my life? Am I going to be able to get back to what I love? Mm -hmm. And what I've really found is that if I stay active and really build muscle to support my joints, things have been significantly better. Um, So I just kind of have to keep plugging forward. And I know things like yoga are just too much for me as much as I love them. I have to figure out what works and go from there. So I'm really back at it. Well, it's great that running was there for you when you were ready to get back to it, when your body told you that you were ready. Yeah. So thanks for being a longtime listener to the podcast. You guys came out to meet us in Breckenridge, Colorado. You and your husband came out and I don't, did you have any kids yet? I don't. I was trying to think about that. I don't, I think I may have been pregnant. Yeah. I, I can't remember. But yeah, that was really exciting to get to meet you because Angie was, was she there for Leadville? She was. Yep. That was her yep. toughest marathon to date. <laughs> yeah. I worked trail crew in Leadville for a summer and those trails are hard, but it was really exciting to meet you guys. Um, MTA has been such a family and seen me through so much. Like I started listening in grad school and now I have two kids. So it's kind of wow. surreal. Time flies. Well, uh, good luck in your training. Great to see you back in action. And thanks again for being a long time listener to the podcast. Well, thank you guys for all that you do. We definitely enjoy listening. Well, it was nice to speak with Nicole, and on November 8th, she ran the MTA virtual half, and she posted in the group, Guys, I haven't run this far since I was pregnant with my first, over four years ago. I did it, and not in optimal conditions. It was 23 degrees with a light wind, and she finished in 219.46. So huge congrats, Nicole, on building back your fitness and getting to half marathon level, and here's to your continued success. And thanks again to Generation You Can for sponsoring this episode. Of course, you can try their products at a discount with the code MTA Manchester. And thank you everyone for being a listener to the MTA podcast and a subscriber. If we can help you in any way, let us know. We have a contact form on our website. 
Also, in the Academy, lots of resources, training plans, back podcast episodes, and support from our coaches and community. You can learn more about membership when you visit us at MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. So great to be on this journey with you. No matter where you're at, just keep taking action in your health. And remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my-